Hello, welcome back to Two Crows Podcast. I know it's been a while since it was just me on here, but it's going to be just me sometimes for a while now because I lost my job today. Lovely. Uh, I was a contractor, so it's not that crazy, but I had to take some scheduled time off for a biopsy of my breast, and it luckily is benign, but I do have tumors in my breast that need to be removed, so I have a pre-op next month, which is going to be lovely. With the holidays coming up, I figured we could talk a little bit about How did these holiday traditions start? I love these stories, and I hope you do too. Evergreen tree, often a pine, spruce, or fir, decorated with lights and ornaments as a part of a Christmas festivity. Christmas trees can be fresh cut, potted, or artificial, and are used as both indoor and outdoor decorations. While the trees are traditionally associated with Christian symbolism, their modern use is largely secular. I know, I know, Christian grandma really wants to believe that the tree somehow symbolizes Jesus or the cross, or I don't know. I know there were a lot of different things that my... Very Christian family tried to tell me that the tree symbolized, but to be true, all of our freaking Christian traditions are housed in paganism. So many families, they place their presence at the foot of this magnificent tree. On Christmas Day, we look at those presents and we unwrap them and think, wow, this is because of Jesus' birthday? The use of the evergreen tree, wreaths and garlands to symbolize eternal life, was a custom of the ancient Egyptians, Chinese, and Hebrews. Tree worship was among the pagan Europeans, and survived through their conversion to Christianity. You see, a lot of the settlers that wanted to uh, Christianize and colonize would try to get the people involved instead of massacring all of them and convert them instead in Minnesota, where we have one of the largest Scandinavian congregations of people. Uh, Their custom of decorating the house and barn with evergreens at the new year to scare away the devil, and of setting up a tree for the birds during Christmas time, Yule, it survived further in the custom also observed in Germany of placing a Yule tree at an entrance or inside the house during midwinter holidays. The modern Christmas tree, though, originated in Western Germany. The main prop of popular medieval play about Adam and Eve was a paradise tree, a fir tree hung with apples that represented the Garden of Eden, 
I remember growing up, we actually did have apple decorations for our tree. We hung apples on our tree, and I guess that makes sense. The Germans set up a paradise tree in their homes on December 24th, the religious feast day of Adam and Eve. They hung wafers on it, symbolizing the um, host or Christ, the Christian sign of redemption. In a later tradition, the wafers were replaced by cookies of various shapes, which then were turned into Santa's cookies that we left out for him. Which, speaking of Santa, doesn't he seem kind of like a, I don't know, entity that we're summoning? We do this tradition, we decorate for him, we sing songs about him, and then we place out treats or offerings to him, and then he comes and exchanges something for those offerings that seems a little pagan to me what are we doing what are we doing with these traditions that we're pretending are just christian and not any root into another religion or belief well it's syncretism syncretism is the blending of multiple schools of thought into a single system christianity absolutely does this so does every other culture on the planet. The Romans were spectacular at it. Some of it is deliberate, some of it is organic, as converts bring cultural norms into their new faith. Back to the Christmas tree. I really want to take a step even further back. And this is before really Christmas was a thing. This is where we get the Christmas tree from. I mean, one of them, which is fascinating to me that multiple pagan religions all celebrated similar things when they didn't really come in contact with each other. But let's go to the priestess, Sybil. She would, um, through a transformation by the Greeks, be confused with and eventually known as the Sybilis. The great goddess of Asia Minor and the oldest true goddess known from artifacts, predating the goddess of the Sumerian and Egyptians by at least 5,000 years. Now, there have been goddess figurines found which date to 30,000 years ago. They come to us without knowledge of their origin or character of the goddess they represent. A figurine found at Katal Huac, dating to 8,000 years ago, depicting the mother goddess squatting in the process of giving birth while flanked by two leopards. In later centuries, the leopards would be changed to lions. Leopards were considered female lions in ancient times. Her worship was originally combined with that of the Bull of Heaven, which is also prominently displayed at Katal Hayuk. So basically what I'm saying is Sybil was a very important goddess to the Romans. They had her protected, they worshipped her, and adored her. And to the people... She was the goddess of fertility, the mountains, the wild, nature, and the harvest. These are all very important things to the people. And 
yes, people did worship a lot of gods, but she in particular had a cult that followed her called the Sibylian cult. And they were very into worshiping her in some very wild ways. So this appealed to both the farmers that were growing the crops as well as those who were consuming them and needed them to survive. So the everyday people were very into civil and worshiping her and making sure she was appreciated so they would continue to thrive and get crops and as well as the people who were wanting to reproduce. So the um, people who wanted to get pregnant, as well as those who wanted to make sure that they had heirs and good, strong offspring. But because she was the goddess of basically life in general between animals and crops and humans, they also believed that she could make them live longer or forever. So if they worshipped her enough and they did everything for her that she would deem good or an honoring, that they could potentially live forever. But back into Sybil's story, Sybil had a lover. And this lover, um, his name was Addis. And it is said that he may have also been her son, but let's, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna pretend that doesn't exist. But what do a lot of male gods do? Well, he decided to cheat on Sybil. He decided that he would rather have a mortal, and that is a, a mortal sin. <laughs> I also want to apologize. I moved my microphone because I realized I was getting some, uh, airy feedback there. I'm using a, a headset instead of my microphone today because my micro my headset is giving my microphone f- noise feedback and I don't know why it was not doing that before but I did notice it in some of my episodes and I wanted to I need a new headset. I don't know. It's not supposed to do that and it's a expensive headset so I don't know what's going on with it but we will figure it out. Back to the story. Well, Addis, he's absolutely head over heels for this mortal. And Sybil is very upset about this and hurt and doesn't really appreciate being treated like this and having humans who worship her realize that there's another god. He's absolutely head over heels for this mortal. He would choose humans over this goddess. Well, they decide to go forward with the wedding, and while at the wedding doing their ceremony, Sybil comes in right before they actually tie the knot. And what does Addis do? He gets scared. He gets scared and he leaves. He leaves his bride there. He leaves his lover mother there. He just heads for the hills and... um, Yeah, just leaves it all awkward. But where did Addis go? He just became a mountain man, ran up into the mountains and decided to hide and go insane. Uh, His brain decided to go a little crazy. Which, hey, been there. Me and my Squishmallow mountain when my depression kicks in and I just need people to bring me snacks while I hide in my little cave. But it is said it wasn't only him just in his own thoughts, that Sybil 
was in there deciding to play little games, mind games, if you will, and making sure that he is miserable for the pain that he put her through. This is where I have a little warning. There's This gets gruesome. This gets gruesome. So if you are not into uh, dismemberment, uh, maybe skip forward a little bit. Okay, so Addis goes so crazy that he decides to chop off his own wiener. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And no one knows why. That's just what he decided to do. So after losing his member... He decides to go and sit down under a pine tree and take his own life. Well, Sybil goes looking for him. I mean, I think she she probably realized that uh, her connection to his brain that was causing him to go crazy probably was severed when he died. And she realized that she didn't know where he was and went looking for him. She finds him dead under the tree. She thought that The way that she was making him go crazy was going to make him run back to her. She did not realize it would make him take his own life. But she is the goddess of life, and she does have powers. So she takes his spirit, takes it out of his body, and puts it into the tree. So the cult that follows Sybil believes that this pine tree represents life, everlasting life, rebirth, new chances. So this started the tradition of having a festival where they would cut down an evergreen pine tree, and then they would set the tree up inside of their temple and have a banquet surrounding the tree. So they were celebrating and reenacting the chopping of the member of Addis, and they would have a little festivity surrounding that, including some things they would do to themselves. When the banquet was over began the Day of Blood. I'll let you, like, take a moment to guess what this was about. And now remember, they really wanted Sybil to love them. They wanted to show her their appreciation, and they thought that if they did this in the most extreme ways... They themselves would gain everlasting life, even if that was within a tree, right? So some of the members who had a penis would chop off their own testicles or penis and offer them up to Sybil. Maybe they thought her lover doesn't have one, so maybe they'll give her theirs. (laughs) So they were giving Sybil a gift under the pine tree of their uh, fertility themselves. Um, So yeah, first Christmas gift for you, Sybil. So this is where we first saw the uh, pine tree that we know of in history, but then it leads to other European countries who also use this tradition in very pagan ways, y'all. The pine tree decoration and adornment first became a winter festivity in Germany, as I had mentioned before. So I actually took a lot of my Yule uh, tree things from the Germans, as well as little bits from Scandinavian 
uh, cultures. And I had a tree. I would cut it down myself. So basically cutting off the penis and putting it in my house and adorning it with nothing plastic. So I had um, oranges that I would chop up and dehydrate and then turn into ornaments and hang them on the tree. I had candies that I would string up and put on the tree. And, um, but the Germans, they would also have interesting things like cough drops. I also kept seeing that they put eggs on the tree, but I'm not really sure how they did that. Were they hard boiled? Were they just hiding them because of fertility within the tree? Is it like an Easter, Oster thing? Um, I'm not sure, but it was bringing life inside and bringing the um, tree in to be warm inside throughout the winter and showing them the sign of hope that winter will end and they will be back outside within the trees and nature and nature will take them in during the time that isn't winter and they will bring nature in for the time that is winter. And then we know the dangerous uh, tradition of putting actual candles inside of your dry tree. (laughs) I'm sure there were a lot of fires back then, but it was adding a light and a hope through the winter that it would end and they would come back out of it into spring. And yeah, they had this light, a beacon of light within their tree. It's terrifying to me. It gives, uh, yeah, horror movie vibes when you put actual candles in a tree for me. So when um, Queen Victoria really loved the tradition of the Christmas tree, brought it to England, which then spread it all over the place because everyone loves Queen Victoria. And then they decided to adopt it into Christmas Christmas and make it theirs um, and pretend like it didn't have any roots in anything pagan. And we know that we love, love to spend money on things and make ourselves look more adorned. So why not do it to our tree? And the consumerism went wild with the Christmas tree. But yeah, so that is the interesting stories of the Christmas tree. Um, What do you decorate your tree with? Do you use plastic ornaments? Do you make your ornaments? Do you use candy? What do you do? Do you have any traditions that you remember as a child that you carry on forth now as an adult into your yuletide traditions For me, I like to do oranges with cloves. So I take cloves and I decorate my oranges with them. I'll post a picture of that on the Instagram. Um, And I also am starting a tradition that my grandmother started with playing kind of minute to win it games with the kids. And I have four children and I'm going to have little prizes for them to win that I got for super cheap. And uh, they can be excited over these really ridiculous prizes. But I have a bunch of games of just stuff around the house that we can use that I'm hoping can carry over and we can do it year after year and they can be excited about it. And I'm trying to find a fun name for it. I'm just calling it reindeer games for right now. But 
I'm hoping to find a cute name that the kids could also pass down to whoever they celebrate with, whether it's their friends or whatever later on in life. But traditions are something that we hold close to us, and I'd love to know yours. So if you can go either email me or go over to um, the YouTube, you'll be able to post what your Christmas or Yule traditions are, holiday traditions in general, winter traditions. I'd love to hear about them. I hope you enjoyed this super fun episode and have a very Merry Christmas. This should be coming out on Christmas Day. It is actually the solstice as I am recording this and I am planning to go over to some lights and take some pictures of people and just offer my services so that I can edit them and figure out um, how to use my new lenses that I got for myself that I'm wrapping for myself for Christmas. I'm going to pretend I've never used them before. Um, <laughs> I hope you have happy holidays, happy new year, and that next year is better for all of us and the economy turns around. That would be lovely. All right. I love you all. Thank you so much for your time and dedication to my channel. And I'll see you next time. Crow out.